Welcome to Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined as always by Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? I feel great. Uh, been a busy week, and I'm also happy that we're doing something different this time. It's not that oh. I don't love workflow anymore, but you know we've been talking about workflows for workflows for like two months, Since three months last maybe. Year. Yep. So you know, I think it's uh, I think it's nice that we're doing that we're doing something different, and it's really something different because we're not talking about the traditional type of pro- productivity apps this time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna talk about reading, and yep. specifically, we're gonna talk about reading later. Reading later, so yeah, many you know advanced web users are heavy users of these kind of read later services, and I think perhaps sometimes what you do is you you mark something to read later, and it's with the best of intentions. And basically, what we do is we collect uh, a lot of uh, bookmarks and and articles that we maybe never quite get around to. But these services, for people who are not familiar with them, are services that offer the ability to capture web pages and archive them for reading offline. Uh, or or online, but often offline for people who travel on subways or places where there's not good connectivity, and you can read them at a later time. There are a number of such services, and they're all really well integrated into iOS. I mean, I think, Federico, would you think it's fair to say that probably uh, read later services kind of have come into their own in the era of iOS? Yeah, I feel like, especially since iOS 8, you know, with with extensions, I think the it's it's gotten a lot more better. Uh, used to be. So let me let me offer some backstory. Yeah. Uh, when I started the website, my story is in uh, two thousand and nine. Um, the the read later service that I I think it was the most popular that I was also familiar with. It was actually called Read It Later, and Read It Later started as a Firefox mm, plugin. Back in the day when Firefox used to be relevant, there was no Google Chrome, mm. I think, and everybody was using Firefox because you didn't want to use, uh, you didn't want to use Internet Explorer, and you know, I wasn't not a Mac user, so I didn't use Safari. So of course, I had Firefox, and read later, it lets you save articles, so any kind of web page actually, uh, for later, and it would open with this sidebar in Firefox on the desktop. And around the same time, I was not familiar with it because I, uh, I was new to the Apple scene. Uh, but Marco Arment at the same time uh, launched Instapaper, which was roughly the same idea. It started as a website, but Marco was first to have an iPhone app that would let you save uh, articles for later. And I think it was also first to have the, um, the text parser that would basically clean up an article and only show you the text part. And back in the day, you know, uh, I think we're actually back to square one in this regard. But, you know, it was actually a problem with all these flashy banner ads. It's kind of ironic that we're back to the same situation now. (laughs) Uh, But still, people really wanted the way to clean up articles. So Instapaper and Read It Later eventually started competing with each other. And because of the success of both apps, both with great features I've used both over the years, um, we saw, and we're talking now about 2010 and 2011, uh, a lot more uh, competition appearing on the App Store. Um, you know, there were bookmarking services that were launching launching similar features. There used to be another service called Readability, um, and then even Apple joined. Uh, you know, this space with their own with their own um, feature of the Safari browser. But it's important to remember that before iOS 8, when before extensions, all of these Read It Later uh, services were um, forcing you to use a JavaScript bookmarklet in Safari. 
and installing if you ever if you've ever dealt with javascript bookmarkers in in on ios you know it's not fun at all uh it's it's not the type of pr- process that i would describe as fun um you need to copy and paste some javascript code you need to create a bookmark then edit the bookmark it's not fun but with yeah, ios I'm, 8 I'm glad those days are gone i mean yeah, that's those, the kind of thing we're doing a whole show about right now if we're totally, still a thing yeah. i'm i am so glad we're not planning a javascript bookmarker episode <laughs> fraser <laughs> it was terrible those uh, were the bad it, days and those are the the old days because thanks to IS8 apps were now able to uh, let you save an article or a video through a share extension. So of course we saw the Pocket extension, the Instapaper extension, and Apple as a different type of extension uh, with Safari reading list. But what happened uh, over the years is that there was a lot of consolidation. So a lot of the minor um, competing services they either shut down. Or they just, you know, they they, they abandoned the read later uh, feature, so they went back to bookmarking, for example. And Instapaper was sold from Marco Armen to BetaWorks, and just a few months ago from BetaWorks to Pinterest. Meanwhile, read it later rebranded as Pocket, and with a with a broader, I would say, vision that Instapaper lets you save anything for later, not just articles but also recipes, videos. Um, and Pocket is still going. It's a, it's a free service. I think it's the bigger one. It's used by a lot of people. They have a lot of social features. Uh, and it's actually, you know, it's also a great recommendation engine, which I'm going to talk about shortly. So right now, I would say we have three major uh, ways that you can use on iOS to save web content for later. Pocket, Instapaper, and Apple's own Safari reading list. And if you allow me, Fraser, I would like to start with Safari Reading List. Then we're going to talk about the other uh, the other services. But I also feel like, and I feel like you 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 want to talk about this. There's some common ground that we need to cover. There are some features that are shared among all of these services, among all of these apps. Yeah, I think the the key thing to understand is this is not just bookmarking. That this is a, a whole extra layer of. Um, both server-side work and client-side work to make these services uh, more convenient to use, faster to use, and work offline. So, if, I mean, if you remember back in the olden days, there was a website called Delicious, which was eventually oh, yeah. bought by Yahoo, where that was a, a so-called social bookmarking service, where all you would do is make make a bookmark and save a link to a web page on a page where other people could follow you. And, and this is like, you know, the 10x evolution of that where you've got caching and recommendation and social following and all those things. It's like delicious plus offline caching plus the era of social networks, if you like. Um, so key features that you're looking for, if you're trying to decide which service to use or whether to use a service, um, key things that are mostly in common with these services are offline caching of articles, which is pretty important if you're looking for uh, stuff to read on the subway or on a plane or something like that. Simplified formatting, and you'll you'll see different performance for different uh, services and different web pages. Obviously, nobody gets that perfect, but I, I would argue that for the most part, all of these services are doing a pretty good job of that. The key thing I think that really sets one or one service apart from the others is handling of media types other than web pages, and primarily YouTube videos. Right now, I think. Um, a few years ago, I was certainly you know, putting all my YouTube videos that I wanted to watch into uh, Pocket as I was using at the time. And But I think now, perhaps, you know, the, there are actual features on YouTube that are also accessible through YouTube's mobile apps 
you've got a watch later playlist and things in YouTube, and we could probably do a whole show about getting the best out of YouTube at some point. But the ability to handle media types like Vimeo pages and YouTube pages is something that sets some services apart from others. You can also use these services to kind of build up an actual library of articles. So things like organization and tagging and search folders or whatever in inside your account on these services is something you might want to think about if you're going to kind of use this as your archive of things you found interesting over time. All of these services we're going to talk about have got rich iOS apps, some a little more um, colorful and capable than others. Uh, and of course, we're going to talk about Safari reading list, which is built right into both iOS and of course, Safari. Integration with the share sheet is something that's kind of, you know, that's like table stakes for these services now and everybody does that. Uh, integration with other apps is sometimes important. If you're one of these people who still uses RSS readers, uh, don't email me about that comment. Um, sometimes you have features in RSS re readers where you can send your articles straight to pocket without having to go through the share sheet. Um, I, I use Reader for RSS still, and that has a one button uh, pocket archiving feature you can just hit that button and send it straight to Pocket without having to go through Pockets. Like open the share sheet, choose Pocket, OK on Pockets dialog. You can just go save with one button and that will put it into your Pocket account. And of course, the last thing we just mentioned is uh, recommendation features and social features. So on some services, you can follow other people and you get a feed of what they recommend as well from their reading list, which can really, I've personally found that can surface some very interesting things. And of course, what you can then do if you have that kind of feature on your platform is you can aggregate that across all your users and see what's trending across the whole service at this time. And that often does tend to throw up some really quite interesting articles as well. So with that, let's move on to the first service, Federico, Safari reading list. So this might surprise you, but I've actually been using uh, Safari reading list lately instead of Pocket. Uh, it started as, a, as an experiment because I always do this kind of stuff. I always mm -hmm. want to dip my toe in multiple rivers, let's say. I want to, yep. uh, I, I constantly want to check out the competition, see how things are going, because I feel like it's important for me to know uh, a little of everything, you know, with these services, with these apps. Um, Safari, Safari Reading List is, a, is not your typical read later app or service. First of all, it's not a separate app. It's built into Safari, uh, both on the Mac and on iOS. It opens as a sort of sidebar on the Mac and the iPad and a full screen window on the on the iPhone. Uh, and it basically sits next to your bookmarks. Uh, it's got, uh, it, it's distinguished by this icon of the Steve Jobs glasses. It's a nice <laughs> yeah. reference to Steve yeah. Jobs, uh, these reading glasses. Uh, and it sits next to your bookmarks, to your favorites, and it lets you save links for later. So Apple calls it uh, the reading list because it's obviously uh, skewed towards uh, reading articles, but you can save any kind of link. And besides this integration with Safari, um, it also it's also got some perks that are not available to third-party apps on iOS. For example, there's a save to reading list anywhere on iOS. Anywhere you can tap and hold on a link, uh, you will find a reading list option whether it's from the share sheet where there's an action extension with a reading glass uh, icon, or if there's no share sheet, like in iMessage, for example, or uh, in other apps that don't let you work with extensions, you will find next to the copy button, uh, add to reading list. So 
it's built into iOS and it's got other benefits that third-party apps don't have. For example, once you add to reading list, uh, the link will save to Safari, into Safari in the background. It will be downloaded for offline usage also in the background and it will automatically propagate through devices using your iCloud account. So it doesn't have to rely on notifications like third-party apps do, uh, even if they use silent notifications. It uses your iCloud account and it saves constantly in the background. And so besides offline caching, which uh, in my experience, it works uh, quite well. It works for uh, articles that are on a single page and it usually also works for articles on multiple pages, though I've been having some problems uh, depending on the website. So sometimes uh, it doesn't understand that it needs to navigate to another page and also save that page offline. Um, it's called reading list because it's deeply integrated with the Safari Reader. And there's another discussion to be had here. Um, Safari Reader is Apple's own take on the technology used to clean up an article, strip out all of the graphical content, so all of the website elements, all of the website graphics, all of the ads, and to only show you this clean uh, text-only view of an article. And Safari Reader, I think it actually started as um, Apple was licensing many, many years ago, the same technology behind readability. And I think over the years, of course, Apple made their own text parser uh, with Safari Reader, which is uh, an icon in the Safari address bar. So whenever you save something to reading list, you open the article, you will see the full Safari web page. This is the, this is the, 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 the main difference between reading list and pocket or Instapaper. Once you save something into reading list, it's mostly a glorified bookmark but it's saved offline. And once you tap on it, you will see the default Safari web page, all it's being cached. And in the address bar, if it's a web article, you will see uh, an icon on the left of the address bar with three lines. Uh, that's the, read the Safari reader icon. You tap it and the web page transforms into a text-only view. And there are controls on the right side of the address bar. It's symbolized by a um, the uh, icon of the alphabet. You tap it. You can change the background of Safari Reader. Um, you can you have some font options, so you can make the font bigger. You can adjust the color. You can, for example, you can choose a sepia background or uh, a darker tone if you're into that. Um, and I've been, so as I told you, I've been using this for for the past month basically since I was on vacation uh, for New Year's Eve I was like I want to try something new so let's try Safari reading list and it works quite well it's definitely different from the usual read later service for one it's uh, not a separate app but you can quickly access it if, if you have 3D touch on your iPhone you can press on the Safari icon there's a shortcut to open reading list so that's quite convenient and it takes some time getting used to the idea that w uh, when you tap on an article, it opens with a full website view by default. Um, you need to activate Reader if you want to have the, the text-only view. Um, but I, I gotta say, uh, it works well. You know, it's, uh, the integration with, with iOS is nice. You don't have to think about it uh, once you add to reading list, it's done. It propagates through across all of your devices. I would like to see some kind of confirmation message. 
Uh, sometimes when you save an article to reading list, it just happens, but it doesn't tell you. Whereas with the Safari, with the Pocket extension or with the Instapaper extension, you get a confirmation message that says, okay, the article has been saved. With reading list, you don't see anything. So you just got to trust Apple that it's working. And also there's some two things that I would like to mention. It doesn't, of course, it doesn't work nicely with web videos. You can save a YouTube link to reading list, but it'll just be a web page. Uh, the video will still need to be streamed from the YouTube service because it can be cached offline. And also, uh, reading list, this is kind of strange, but it's not integrated with the saved stories feature of Apple News. There are mm. two separate features. So once you save something in Apple News using the bookmark icon, the you know the, the orange one, uh, that's separate from reading list. So I think in iOS 11, there should be some kind of integration between stories in Apple News and reading list in Safari. Or maybe there should just be a separate app, I don't know. But still, in my experience, um, I think it works very nicely. And, yeah, uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah actually, yes. Uh, I, I was thinking, you know, when I started this experiment, I was like, yeah, Safari reading list is just like, it's just a bookmark, I'll never use it. But I appreciate the simplicity, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, it removes a lot of friction from having to install an app or, you know, confirming notifications, extensions and all of that. It's very simple. It's not for everyone, but it gets the job done. Yeah, I, I think one one of the arguments or one of the, not the argument, but the use case I really like for reading list is um, if you're subscribed to, you know, email newsletters, for example, where you might get a whole barrage of links in one go. In mail, of course, mail doesn't support the share sheet for links inside a, an email body. So what you can do is you can just press and hold and then you can just go straight into reading list from there. So you can fire in five, six, seven URLs from your from your mailing list uh, straight into reading list and then they're all going to be there for you later. So that accessibility from Apple Mail, if you're an Apple Mail user, uh, that's a really strong use case for, for uh, Safari reading list, yeah. which you can't actually get anywhere else. You, it's not at all straightforward to put those links straight into Pocket, for example. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I actually didn't didn't think of it because I... Probably because I didn't use mail, so great point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let, let me take a break here, Federico, and tell you about uh, one of our sponsors, or our, our single sponsor for this week, Pingdom. Our show this week is brought to you by Pingdom. You can start monitoring your website and server today at pingdom.com slash canvas. You'll get a 14-day free trial, and when you enter the offer code canvas at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom's focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone who has a site. And they do this by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services. For example, if you're a Pingdom user, monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database, or website will be a breeze. Pingdom take care of this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. These days, websites are becoming more and more sophisticated and very often include several dependencies, such as contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, logins, search functionality, and loads more. So Pingdom makes it possible to monitor the availability of all of these key interactions people will have with your site, because it's not just about the whole site anymore. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages, which is more than 400,000 every day. So regardless of whether you've got a small site or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor availability and performance. All Pingdom needs is the URL you want to monitor and they take care of the rest. So when Pingdom detects an outage, you'll be immediately alerted so you can fix the error before the downtime affects you. 
You don't want to be caught out when someone wants to access your site, so you need Pingdom. Check it out today and you'll be the first to know when your site is down. So go to pingdom.com slash canvas for a 14-day free trial and use the code canvas at checkout to get 20% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Really FM. So Pocket is the heavyweight, I would say. It's the, the most popular uh, dedicated read later service. But as we'll see shortly, it's become a little more than a read later app. It's got a whole bunch of network features that are, I find quite useful. So let's start from the basics. Um, Pocket is a read later app. You can save articles into it. And if it's supported by Pocket, once you tap on an article, you will get presented by default with the text-only view. Uh, occasionally, Pocket may not recognize um, an article on a web page, or some publishers actually block the the Pocket crawler from indexing their articles and uh, extracting the text. So may, they may not work with Pocket. But I would say 90% of the time, I've had success with uh, with saving articles to Pocket. Uh, you can also save videos, um, but of course, Pocket won't cache them offline. But what they will do is. Um, they will show you a preview, so a thumbnail in your uh, list, in your inbox. And once you tap on a video, you won't see the YouTube web page, but you will get just the YouTube player uh, on an iPad. On the iPad, you will get a floating pop-up with the YouTube player, which is quite nice. Um, Pocket, in my experience, I've used Pocket for several years. Since it was read it later, and especially over the past year, uh, I, was, I was even a Pocket Premium subscriber. Uh, Pocket Premium is not as um the service doesn't pressure you into subscribing, and I qu- I don't quite understand why it, uh, the the premium aspect always felt like a like a secondary option for the company. So it's forty five dollars a year, and it gives you full text search, uh, a permanent library of your uh, of the articles that you saved. So in case the web page gets pulled, you can get it back. Uh, it gives you uh, automatic tag suggestions. So you can tag articles on Pocket if you want to organize them. You, you, you know, maybe you have some recipes or maybe you have some uh, music-related stories and you can use tags to organize them. And if, you, if you're a premium subs- subscriber, you can use tags suggested by the service. Um, and I don't understand why... Why? Why the company doesn't insist on making you pay, basically, as other companies do? And then I went to the website and I saw that it has to be a recent addition. But basically, if you're a premium subscriber, now you will you will be able to remove ads from Pocket, which I didn't know was an option. And uh, so I went, I did some research, and I and I discovered that Pocket for free users may now present some sponsored content uh, as advertisement. Oh, okay. hmm. So uh, maybe in you know, you're browsing the recommendation section and you will get this article, but actually the article is not a, an article that discovered by the algorithm, but it's a sponsored item. Of course, based on your taste and whatever. So basically, maybe you know, subscribing to Pocket Premium will become a more popular option as, you know, the service is testing uh, sponsored content. Um, anyway, I, I was happy with my subscription, if only because I wanted to directly support the company and the service. They're great people. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it's not like I 
ever used, you know, full text search or automatic yeah, tags. Yeah, I mean, I think for me that the the whole thing about Pocket is it's got this kind of increasingly powerful social layer on top, you know. So whereas Safari, you know, reading list is very much kind of you and your list and, and nobody else, you know, hashtag privacy and all that. Um, Pocket now has the, the, this ability for other people to follow your recommendations. And when when you heart something or favorite it or whatever it is, um, that adds to you know the the juice for that article and and that bubbles it up to you know to both to the people who follow your recommendations, but then contributes to a much larger experience, uh, which is sort of across the whole service. What are the things that people are recommending? What are trending? What what is popular right now? Um, they have a a, a thing called um, Explore. And they have a sort of best of pocket as well. So things that get really hot, um, they will get a wee tag on them, best of. And it's quite interesting because what happens there is also um, if one of the articles that you've bookmarked gets a best of, it gets labeled best of in your feed as well. So you can kind of look at that and see, oh, here's all the things I've bookmarked. I should probably prioritize the ones that have gathered themselves a best of tag because then I've probably bookmarked something pretty good that lots of other people like as well. So that's a whole a whole extra level beyond just, you know, it's a, it's an offline bookmark and so on. It's actually um, quite an interesting, I don't, I wouldn't say it was like maybe a competitor to medium just yet, but it's, it's kind of of that style where they're yeah. trying to surface yeah. stuff from other places on the web and bring it through to, to the users on that service as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you, uh, I've had the best recommendations, uh, the best reading recommendations on pocket than any other similar service whether it's Apple News or Google Newsstand, uh, the, the best and most relevant for me, for my taste, for my interest, recommendations that I've seen were on Pocket. Uh, there's a recommendations tab in, in the iOS app where it, the service does a bunch of things. It aggregates stuff that is popular on the network, but it also checks on the people that you follow. So it's kind of a mechanism similar to Twitter. You can follow people and you can be followed. I recently discovered that I have something like 120,000 people who follow me on Pocket. I didn't know this. It was new to me, Um, which is kind of cool because it means if I recommend something, I can maybe drive a little traffic to the to the to the website, which is which is cool, you know. Um, And so you you see this mix of. popular items in general, like if the New York Times has a big story, for example. Uh, But you also see stuff from Medium and stuff recommended by people you follow. You can add a comment when you you recommend an article, or you can just share the article without a a comment. Um, And if you go to the... There's a couple of places that I recommend. Um, The Explore webpage on getpocket.com slash explore. It's like a mini search engine for interesting articles. So if you go to the webpage and type in something like Nintendo Switch or iPad Pro, you actually do get some pretty good search results for reviews or hands-on opinions, that type of stuff, uh, which you don't necessarily get as quickly on Google or Twitter, for example. And also I suggest the the pocket hits, so the, the most, the, you know, like the hottest articles. Uh, I think they also have a newsletter. And as a publisher, I can tell you that if you end up on that newsletter, they do drive some good traffic. Um, and it's also like a very good collection of interesting articles. And finally, um, Pocket has a big advantage of um, they have an open API, a web API, which is integrated with a, with a lot of services, including uh, IFT and, of course, Workflow. 
There's a native workflow action that you can use to save items to Pocket and also retrieve items from your Pocket account. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. It's very cool. Um, now, I'm not sure if I'm going to stick to reading list or not. I kind of miss Pocket, I especially because of the recommendations tab, um, but also because of the, you know, it's a dedicated app and I go there when, I, when I'm when i in the mood for reading something. Um, so I would say if you're looking for a free service for, uh, you know, uh, for the with a good social structure underneath, uh, Pocket is a is a good choice. Yeah, I, I've been a Pocket user for quite a long time, although I haven't really spent a lot of time exploring these recommendation features in quite the same way that perhaps you have. Um, but I think by default, probably Pocket is the place to start because it's got all the integrations, it's got the handling of... Um, Nice handling of YouTube, although, again, not caching the video offline. Um, and then you have this whole social aspect to it as well. So in some ways, it's... it's uh, what, what they're getting is scale, right? I think that's the thing that's, make, that's making Pocket stand out, is that yeah. they've got the user scale, and they've got enough now that you can actually do some of that data mining across all the recommendations yeah. and start to find genuinely interesting things as well. So, yeah, yeah Pocket exactly. is definitely worth your time as, as a starter. And there's also Instapaper. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, what I've heard, uh, a common refrain that I've, that I've heard from people is that after being sold twice... Um, some people are skeptical about Instapaper's future, especially now that they're, they've been sold to Pinterest, which is not exactly, I would say, the, the, the nerd type of service. It's huge among, you know, people, but just mm-hmm. in the tech scene, you know, the tech geeks, yep. I don't think they're huge on Pinterest. You know what, where Pinterest is actually really interestingly large is in education. I don't know if you oh, yeah, this, yeah. But, um, there's all kinds of like lesson plans and teaching materials and, and ideas oh, nice. for the classroom all on Pinterest. So it's something I've kind of had on my to-do list to get into a little bit and just see uh, what's all going on there. But I know teachers um, all over who are like crazy for Pinterest. They they, they just, uh, um, they're on it all the time. They're sharing all mm. the stuff they do and, and they're getting stuff for their classroom every day off Pinterest. So it's... It's quite interesting. Nice. That's, yeah. That's one of so, its niches, I suppose. Yeah. Besides the the concerns of Instapaper's future, uh, the app itself is an excellent uh, read later app. For many, it's preferable to Pocket because it's got superior uh, typographic options. Uh, you can choose from several beautiful fonts that uh, Pocket doesn't have. Um, and also as a reading experience, in, in some regards, it's superior to Apple and superior to Pocket. Uh, because of the little things like um, when you come across an article that has footnotes, like Daring Fireball or Mac Stories even, um, footnotes are automatically converted to a popover. So instead of having to open the web view because footnotes are not supported you know, by, by these uh, text parsers, Instapaper actually does support footnotes and it lets you preview them with a popover that stays in place with the body of a story, which is very nice. Um, and in general, Instapaper feels more like it wants to make what you find on the web similar to a book, mm-hmm. whereas maybe reading lists and pocket are more like, we're going to let you save a link and you can make it a little prettier with the text parser. But Instapaper feels like the more sophisticated option. That's what I was looking for. It's, it's a little yeah. more sophisticated. 
Yeah, it kind of feels like if, if you wanted to turn the entire web into an issue yeah. of like the Atlantic or the New Yorker or something <laughs> like that, you know, yeah. um, it, it definitely has a focus on, you know, uh, beauty and readability. Um, the, the app design is a little, um, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel quite as modern, perhaps, as some of the others. Um, Maybe. Maybe. I think, but it's kind of classic all to itself. You know, it's, it's it is sort of halfway between uh, a, a pocket and something more like iBooks, for example. The treatment of both the page and the controls and the layout is is nice like that. And of of course, um, Instapaper was the, the first app to have the idea of tilt scrolling using the the accelerometer on the phone. If you, uh, I don't yeah. know if that feature is still there or not, but certainly that was I an interesting so. innovation back in the day. Yeah, it was, the idea it was being a, that you just tip the phone to scroll up or yeah. down as if the as if the text is kind of like rolling about inside your phone. It's quite cute. Yeah, I think they also have a, an audio option, and I okay. want to say they did something with the Apple Watch even. So mm. um, interesting. It just there's a little bit of a uncertainty uh, mm-hmm. around you know this whole acquisition thing again, but uh, I you know I've used Instapaper. Uh, it's got solid iOS automation features thanks to mm-hmm. X callback URL. So um, if you're into a, a more focused type of uh, reading experience, I think you should check it out. And I think it's uh, free to use. Like all of the previously premium features now are free. So, mm-hmm. you know, no harm in yeah. setting up an account. I mean, I think the thing about relator services, right, is that it's not like you're building your entire life on these things, you know. It's, right. re- it's reasonably low cost to move between them and you know, let's say tomorrow Instapaper got shut down, what would you really have lost? You know, the queue of maybe 10 or 12 articles that you might have read. You know, but, this is but, this is very about, much a leisure thing, isn't it? What about all of your likes and your... All you my know? likes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what's funny, though? You, you go back to that. I mean, I, I've got a... I've got a notebook in in Evernote about stuff that I really cared about five years ago, and it was it was. I look at it now and I'm like, well, I, I don't read that again, you know. And I've got all these things, and you know, I suppose Evernote was back in the day one of the other uh, candidates for read later service as well. When you had the Evernote Web Clipper, when we all used desktop computers, um, but now really Pocket and Instapaper are yeah. the two big games in town mm-hmm. on yeah. uh, on iOS. Now, before we wrap up the show, I wanted to end with. Um with a grab bag, as John Syracuse would say, of alternative uh, ways that I've seen people use to save uh, web stories for later. So this is a whole bunch of ideas and workarounds and workflows that I've seen used by friends of mine. Um, the, f- the most popular one, I think, if you don't want to use a read later service, as you mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show, you use a bookmarking service. And the most popular one that is still around it's, uh, is Pinboard. Uh, Pinboard is a, is a purposefully minimal bookmarking service. It's got not too many social features. I mean, you can follow people, but that's about it. You just see the public bookmarks. And there's some uh, iOS apps. I don't use Pinboard anymore. I still have an account, not a premium one. But I remember apps like Pushpin, for example, to access your Pinboard account. And there's also an API, so if you really want, you can hook it up to Python or Workflow and do some crazy stuff with it. Um, other solutions, I think, after the the death of Google Reader, uh, we've seen the rise of many RSS services, you know, uh, stuff like uh, I Know Reader or uh, what's the other one that people use? Um, Feedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also Fitbin, which is another one. So there's a whole yeah. bunch of services. And usually these services have 
feature to mark an article as, as favorite. So I know quite a few people who, instead of having a separate Read It Later app or using Safari reading list, they just use the star feature and they go back to an article uh, you know, in the future. And mm-hmm. sometimes uh, RSS clients like uh, FireFeeds, for example, or I know Reader's own official app, they have a way to extract the full text, like a readability mode. So it can, okay. can kind of fake its way around being a read later type of app. Yeah, I suppose the, the, the limitation of that is you, that you have to kind of get your links through your RSS feeds, don't you? I mean, whereas with things like Pocket and oh, yeah. Paper, you, yeah, you can exactly. go from uh, you know a random page on a Safari, a link in Twitter <laughs> or whatever, and put them all yeah. in there. Whereas, yeah. you know, using your RSS reader, you've got to, it's got to arrive through RSS yeah. in the first place, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, Feedly has also kind of like, um, kind of like Pocket as its own explore section, but I'm not sure how mm-hmm. many people use that. And if you really want to sort of uh, include all types of services into this uh, topic, you could say that, you know, some people subscribe to website in apps like Flipboard, for example, and then you can read mm-hmm. articles using the text-only view in Flipboard. But I feel like that's another, you know, topic of magazine-like mm, yeah. social readers. Yeah, I loved readers. Flipboard back in the day. I haven't been on it for years, but yeah. it, w- it was hot back in the day, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it feels like mm-hmm. a different type of product. Um, yeah. Yeah. Finally, I want to mention the my, my hardcore type of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard from Our readers... People, yeah. Yeah, I've heard from readers who, and listeners who, rather than saving an article on reading list or pocket or Instapaper, they print it to PDF and they archive it somewhere else. Which, if you ask me, is really quite hardcore, but I do understand the motivation, which is you want to make a hard copy of a story, either because you need it for research purposes, uh, maybe you want to highlight some mm-hmm. part of the text, which is one of the, which is one of the, I forgot to mention, highlights one of the best features of Instapaper the pocket doesn't have. It lets you highlight a passage of text, and then you can share okay. it, or you just you can keep it. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, still, if you know, if you're that kind of person, you want to keep a PDF. Uh, maybe you want to keep it in Apple Notes or Evernote, or you know, avert from people who um, use DevonThink which is one of the most advanced, uh, what would you call it, like a file manager or a research yeah, it's, app? It's we're going to do like, a show like about that. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, should, we should consider it. Um, we used to call them so, like digital junk drawer apps back in the day. <laughs> you know, there was like Yojimbo yeah. and things like that. Yojimbo yeah. used to be one of yeah. those, yeah. Uh, so I know people who save PDFs from the web into these type of apps. Mm-hmm. And also, my, my the, the final, of course... Uh, implementation has to be workflow. Uh, I I know for a fact because I got emails from at least a couple of pe- uh, a couple of readers who use workflow zone um, convert to markdown action to take a web page, extract the text, make it into markdown and save it into a plain text editor. Now, don't ask me why you want to do this to go from Safari to a text editor to read a story. Um, but it's, you know, I, I know that some people do that. I would actually be curious to know why you would want that type of experience, like to make an article editable in a text editor. Uh, but still, you know, it's got an action in workflow. (laughs) People have their reasons. And also, you know, when it comes to animation, uh, it actually makes me happy that people are doing crazy things. 
So yeah, there you go. Cool. I don't, I don't, I don't endorse these methods, uh, <laughs> but they're possible. And yeah. you know, it's. I think it's pretty cool, actually. I think that the further you get out, the, the more kind of variability you end up getting on the web pages that you go. Uh, and I think that one of the things that I've noticed over the past couple of years, because we we do this in school for various tasks that kids have to do, um, printing out a web page. Like there are some websites where you literally just can't print out the page. You know, you hit the print function in your browser, and all you yeah. get is like a blank page with two things on it. You know, and I'm like, where? You know, we we do an exercise where kids have to plan travel on using the web, um, and as part of the assessment, they have to print out like um, the information for the hotel and the information for the flight and all that kind of mm. stuff. And quite often, you go into like Booking.com and you try and print a page, and you just get absolute garbage coming out the printer, like oh, fifty no. pages with one line on it and stuff. Because um, apparently, people have forgotten that printing out from the internet is something that you do. So. Um, sometimes that works really well. Other times, like some dev- web developers really take care of that and they give you a nice printable view. But you know, remember printable views on the web? That was that that was the uh, uh, Safari reader view for for the olden days. Was uh, just look at the printable version where none of the <laughs> yeah, graphics that's are. True. You know, that's um, true. Just that, true. that was what we did in the nineties. You know. Um, Usually, it's also a way to uh, the, the print view when you come across a story that doesn't let you um, view multiple pages on a mm. single page. Now, I consider this for Mac stories, I should say. When I do my ISO reviews, they're split up on multiple pages. And I wonder, should I offer a single page option? Now, the problem is I tried. We actually tried, and we were crashing browsers, um, <laughs> both Safari and Google Chrome. Mm-hmm. So I thought, uh, morally, um, I should be obligated to offer readers uh, a way to view my stories on a single page. But technically, I would do them a disservice because I'm going to crash their app. Because once you get, basically, my iOS 10 review was over 100 megabytes in screenshots. And then when you add GIFs and videos and text and a table of contents, there was a problem. So I don't want to crash people's browsers. But still, some other more, let's say, some lighter multi-page stories, Mm -hmm. you can still use the print view to generate a single page. And then you can save that to PDF, for example. Yeah, um, yeah that's, still, that's still a thing people do. I think for, at least until a couple of years ago, for uh, websites like Arsa Technica or Wired, you could use the print view to mm-hmm. unify multiple pages in a single, in a single yeah. file. And I, I kind of get that when it comes to you know taking it to PDF and then you know getting your Apple Pencil and marking it up in an app like oh, PDF yeah. Expert or yeah. something, you know that that's a totally valid thing to do, particularly when it's a kind of maybe a more academic article or something you want to that's the uh, <laughs> reference later on and so on. The academic uh, spin on reading later. And that's uh, you, you, yeah. you generate a PDF, you grab the Apple <laughs> Pencil, and you, and you take notes. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Cool. Well, shall we leave it there for today? I think that's been a... I think so, yeah. That's a good overview of, of what the state of play is with reading later. You've got the built-in option in Safari reading list. You've got Pocket, which is powerful in its social features. And you've got Instapaper, which is uh, more focused on typography and, and the beauty and the reading experience and so on. And then you've got um, the Crazy Fringe. Uh, and we love the Crazy Fringe on the <laughs> show. Uh, but we also try and cater for the mainstream as well. So, uh, also, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who tweeted us over the past week with ideas yes. for new shows uh, in the post-workflow series uh, phase of the show. We have captured all of those, uh, and we're going to work uh, produce a list and work through them and uh, try and uh, find the most common things that people are interested in, and some of the fringe things as well, uh, and we'll we'll be back at you with some more shows fairly soon. You can catch us online. The show is underscore Canvas FM on Twitter. I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter and Federico is Vitici. 
We will see you all next time.